Hello and welcome to another E5 podcast. I am Richard Emery and tonight we have Louise Taggart on the virtual sofa, um, ready to share some some interesting facts with you. So good evening, Louise. Evening, Richard. It's lovely to be on. Thank you very much. Now, for those of the audience who haven't come into contact with you, can you give us a little bit of a, a synopsis of who you are and what you do? Who am I and why am I here? Um, Okay, so I am a former employment lawyer, but I am on your podcast because my brother was killed at work. He was electrocuted at work back in 2005. So a 26-year-old man who left his home, uh, left his fiancée in the morning and didn't get back to her at night all because of an entirely preventable electrical incident at work. So as a result of what happened to him, I became involved in a sort of campaign group called Families Against Corporate Killers. So their name's a bit in your face, FAC for short. So I joined with the the FACers, as we like to call ourselves, and sort of campaigned for better health and safety um, regimes, campaigned for better justice for families, campaigned for lessons to be learned from uh, the deaths of our loved ones. And that led to me also becoming involved in Scottish Hazards, which is a health and safety charity, uh, which I worked for for a while and I'm now on their board of trustees. But I also, alongside that, I go into organisations and I talk about what happened to Michael. Um, I talk about the failures that led to his death because I don't want it to happen to anybody else. No, no, and it's a terrible story. I've um, I've listened to it on a number of occasions, and and it still bothers me, and it still angers me when I hear people complaining about lock off and tag off. Um, and as part of this, um, you had some involvement with Super Rod. I'm guessing. I'm frantically looking here. Yeah, Super Rod um, on the Electric- Electricians Community Forum on Facebook yeah. in 2018 when they did a um, an audit of the guys online. Um, I'm not on Facebook, so I didn't see it. Um, it had 825 respondents um, and it paints, shall we say, a disappointing picture. Grim picture, I Grim think. Picture. Yeah. So um for the guys that haven't seen it, it's a A4 flyer. It's easily available if you search for Super Rod, the shocking truth about installer safety. And it gives us a breakdown. Um and I don't really know where to start on this. I suppose <laughs> the, the hit line is the is the top six people have died. Every year, every working year, and twenty-five, uh, two hundred and fifty people have suffered a serious injury. If we then extrapolate that, we've got over, well over a thousand near misses, where people have come in close contact and may not have gone home. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's. I, I mean, it's there. The shock and truth. Um, 
and you look at those six coffins that are on the Top. on the infographic mm. and yeah behind every one of them's a dad or a fiance or a son you know it, it's not good enough and the fact that the rate of death continues mm. along the same lines as it was if not worse than it was when my brother was killed <laughs> I'm really having great difficulty in in understanding what needs done to get through to people. Um, the importance of lock-off tag-out, the importance of proven dead, the importance of employers providing the right kit for their workers and those workers then actually using them. Yeah, so, okay, um, a couple of questions or, or yeah, so, some thoughts for you. Um, is this a management issue? Is this a training issue? Is this an attitude issue <laughs> or is this everything? Is it's, it endemic in our industry? Yeah. It's yeah. A, certainly from my generation. Being in, I, I, I've been in the trade considerably over 30 years now. And up to 2007, I was mostly domestic. And since 2007, I've been all industrial and commercial. Post-2007, I wouldn't see a lock-off lock off kit. You would not see a formal voltage indicator. You would have something to prove dead, um, but insulation tape was the way that you did it. Yeah. Um... Just in a, in a domestic environment. Um, Post-2007, um, a lot more, as soon as you hit the industrial market, it's more controlled. But it's still there. It creeps around the corner. Mm -hmm. um, there's still people using tape um, when there are better ways of doing it, whether it's easier, whether it's more hassle to go and get the kit, whether the kit's not in your van, whether it's in somebody else's van. Everybody should have this. But if we if we consider that there are 100,000 sparks in the country, electrical workers to make the figures easier for my little brain. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's anywhere near accurate. That means 25,000 sparks rarely or never use a lockout kit. Yeah. Based on these figures. Yeah. And, and that's, it's, a, it's, and a, fun, it's a fundamental part of training. It's been a fundamental part of training since the mid 1980s. Mm -hmm. Since 20 years before Michael died. Um, yeah. And yet when the HSE inspector who was investigating Michael's death was going into electrical wholesalers to ask for examples of the lock-off kits so that he could produce them as evidence at the trial of Michael's employer, he was getting told, oh, nah, mate, don't stop them. No demand from industry for them. Mm. 20 years after, it's been a core part of training. Yeah, um, I, I, and I, so, would suggest, I would suggest that you're still going to struggle sometimes. Um, I, do go yeah. into, I do go into wholesalers. Uh, there's one that's doing a lovely little kit with a, um, a mega potential indicator and a lock-off kit sat on the trade counter. Yeah. Uh, there are others where they've got them slung somewhere outside, but they're not in your face. Right. I think um, I think CEF have teamed up with Super Rod to do yeah. some sort of yeah offer on the back of this survey. Yeah. Um, other other electrical um, wholesalers are available, but yeah, that's the one that yeah. I I saw. Um, and uh, the, the viewers won't know, but Louise, um, myself and 
Paul Meenham's sit on the uh, electrical safety round table for workplace safety. And this is this is one of our current bones of contention just to try and get some more visibility and profile about what's going on. Um, we're not there yet, but, but it, will, it will come out at some point. Um, but to, to carry on with this uh, survey, um, it would it would suggest, as I've alluded to, that that you're far more likely to uh, come across lock off kits and a suitable way of locking off in an industrial environment. Now, whether yeah. that's because it's better controlled, whether there's a better level of competency, whether there's um, whether they're made to do it. But if 30 percent of domestic installers are locking off and 70 percent of industrial installers are yeah. suggest that there is something there that makes people do it. Maybe it's a complex systems. Maybe it's yeah, I just think that. I think more robust safe systems of work yeah. in place that, yeah, you know, a risk assessment and a method statement is produced and that you're more likely to have somebody overseeing the work. Um, yeah. It's not. I don't know, in the domestic installation sphere, I guess there's more sort of lone wolves out there who work for themselves. Um, um, yeah, there might be more, more, you know, one man bands. I did a little, a little straw poll on my, on my WhatsApp group. Let's see what that is at the moment. So on the, on the small amount that I've grabbed, it's got 93% of people say they use a lock off kit and they have one and 7% say they don't. Oh, wow. And 81% of people say that they have a potential, a working voltage indicator, and 19% say they don't. Right. Um, that's, that's, that's quite good, but I'd kind of like yeah. to see a bit more on this. They say they've got a voltage, they say they've got a lock-off kit, but do they, how many say yeah, that they, they use it every it? time? Yeah, yeah, how <laughs> many get it out of the van? Um, yeah. and, it's that and too whether... much hassle thing. It's like, well, how much hassle is it going to be for your partner or yeah. your mum and dad to have to arrange your funeral. Yeah, and, and I'm not saying I haven't had electric shocks, and, and I'm bloody lucky. I've had some nasty ones, certainly in the 90s. I had a couple of really close misses. Right. And um, it was too easy to get on. Accidents happen. Um, we weren't working live. We were working near to live conductors. And, and it's easy um, it's easy to just push on and get on with it. As I say, we never had lock-off kits. I don't know. I don't remember any of the sparks that I I was working with at the time having them. Yeah, and yeah, that's I've 90s. had that. I've had that recently from um, somebody who worked for my brother's employer at the time has sort of commented on a post recently and said, you know, it wasn't common practice back then mm. to have lock-off kits anywhere apart from kind of offshore yeah. said, well it's not good enough I'm afraid because it should have been common yeah. practice because it was a key part of the electrical contracting industry you should have had the lock-off kits on your site so just to point at everyone else and say well they weren't doing it so why should we no. uh, really no. it is something I bang on a lot about now and, and people get fed up with it but within my role I go around and audit people and mm -hmm. make sure they are using the appropriate kit. They have the appropriate kit. And when they get it out of the van, it actually looks as though it's been used. used. <laughs> yeah. I, don't, I don't want to see a, a pristine, clean lock-off kit. No. Uh, 
I'd rather they put some other bits in with it, but but I'm in a far more commercial environment where the controls, the safe systems of work are there. Mm-hmm. Um, there are still people getting away with bits and pieces. Um, on the other side, once you've locked it off, it would look like one in ten people don't use a voltage indica- indicator. Yeah. So that's that's ten thousand sparks. Mm. Yeah. If we go on your hundred thousand, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. yeah. So it's whether they're using their multimeters, which is what the only thing my brother had available to him. Mm-hmm. And that's the HSE inspector said. You know, it's too easy to have that set to your wrong yeah. selection, and you get a false zero zero yeah. reading. Um. So yeah, that's that's what he'd been given by his employer, despite it's... the fact that their risk assessment and method statement said it should be checked by a proven voltage indicator. Yeah, yeah. Um, so and again, they, this is about whether individuals have their voltage testers and use their voltage testers. But actually, how many use a proven voltage tester? So how many are actually, you know, proven it's working, then prove and then proven again? That yeah, again there, is a mystery to me. Um, there, there are statements about what, what, voltage potential voltage indicators are and what electrical meters are and and why one isn't as appropriate for the job as others yeah um i I was in australia recently and they looked at me like i had horns growing out my head when i was speaking about voltage indicators because they just use multimeters as a matter Mm. of course Um, so in some ways we are more ahead than other countries but we're we're not the pinnacle of where we should be. No, and, and I mean, they've got they've got other um, protection policies in place, like like licenses to practice and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, so, if we work down the list, thirty three percent of electricians who don't use a volt voltage uh, tester think they are experienced enough not to make a mistake. So that's three and three and a half thousand people working in the industry that, that won't make a mistake. Yeah, well, the HSE electrical inspector who investigated Michael's death said that, you know, I've done it myself with a multimeter mm. and I've done it more than once. And mm. he had decades of experience mm. um, in the electrical industry and was now a HSE, the HSE's kind of principal electrical inspector. So he said yeah. he can do it. He can make that mistake. Anybody can make that mistake. We are unfortunately fallible. That's we will it. make mistakes. Yeah. Um, yep. and uh, you're tired it, it, you're distracted then yeah. working shifts pulling double shifts working long nights um yep. did shop fitting um in the 90s and the hours were hin- uh, hideous it relied on one guy to shut everything off uh, mm. and disconnect everything and there was never any lock-offs on that right yeah no and uh, you know we, we were seven uh 74 hour refits, 72 hour refits in, in shops. Okay. In and out. Um, but it's not right. And we know that now. And uh, we, we, we live and we try and push things forward uh, to, to make things better for people in the future. Absolutely. Um, uh, we've got another one 8% of installers who don't check for voltage think that a voltage tester is too much hassle <laughs> yeah it's like are those the ones who use the back of their hand that lick the, yeah, back, of their lick hand? the um, back of their hand and put it on quick yeah uh, <laughs> my mind boggles it really does i mean the 
the sheriff um, the sort of judge who presided over uh, the trial of Michael's employer, she said when she was sentencing his employer that she believed that there was a male macho cavalier approach being adopted in the industry at the time. Mm. And we're now, what, the trial was in 2008. So we're 11 and a half years on from that. Mm. That male macho cavalier approach is still being adopted in the electrical contracting industry. I think, unfortunately, it is. Um, another another statistic that's been picked up, uh, 25% of those who don't regularly regularly use a voltage tester say that theirs is broken or needs new batteries. So what's that? Two and a half thousand sparks have got a broken tester in their van. Yeah. I, 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 don't, I don't get it. I, I, I don't like putting my fingers near anything that, that could be live. Um, uh, in certain environments, it's easier to say that you're happy that you've isolated everything. If you're pulling the main DNA, DNO fuses in a house, you've got mm-hmm. one fuse and everything's dead. Yeah. Um, but you've got solar PV now. You've got electrical ve- electric vehicle charging points. You've okay. got so many other ways that you can induce a problem into your installation. Yeah. Uh, that, that, that just brings a bit of a worry. But um, people uh, people can make a risk assessment and use common sense as to their uh, their control of their work area. But for me, uh, your first stop to proving safety is um, lock it off and prove it dead. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I've had people. I've had people do it in my own flat. So. Yeah, I had people in my flat who were, they'd been in, they'd done a full rewire, uh, they'd been organised by the landlord and they had to come back to replace an electric fan in the bathroom. So I'd explained to them when they were doing the rewire that I was really anxious about what they were doing and why I was anxious about what they were doing um, and just told them, you know, please do everything by the book. And... When they came back to do the electric fan, the boss is missing, but it's the sort of senior guy and the apprentice who are there. When they come in, I ask them if they're isolating the circuit or they're isolating the board. And I got told we're isolating um, the circuit. I get my boys ready for school, go to leave the house. And there they are up, the fan's now in their hand. Uh, one of them's up the ladder, fans in his hand, and I'm like, he's not been near that board. So I said, sorry, like, you told me you were isolating the circuit. And he told me that it's all right, Hen, because the switch outside the bathroom is what powers this, and it's off. Right. The switch outside the bathroom that my, at the time, three-and-a-half-year-old, maybe four-year-old, had thought it a cracking laugh to turn on when somebody was in the bathroom because the extractor fan was making a racket. So, mm. yeah, that kind of, yeah, the common sense about um, your work environment was not there uh, in that situation. It is that who else is in the house? Who's going to get mm. fed up that something's been turned off? Just lock it off, and then they can turn it back on. Uh, and they get everywhere. The amount of times I had a hammer disappear because little Johnny came in to collect it and was... <laughs> 
was smashing his toy up in the other room. Um, yeah, I'm sure Connor yeah. would have made merry with that. Yeah, they, uh, they 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 move so quickly, and before you know it, if they can get it, uh, and especially if they've seen you tinkering around with stuff, they're they're mm-hmm. straight away in there. Is it a boy thing? I think it is. <laughs> well, and I wonder if it's a boy thing in this in the electrical industry as well. I have to say, yeah, I wonder if there were more females in the industry, whether things might change for the better. It has to be said, I I did. Um, I did grizzle a little bit late last year about the lack of female sparks. Yeah. But, uh, but uh, um, I'm seeing far more um, female apprentices, like uh, oh, starters co- converting over. Um, I did a, a workshop for um, somewhere. can't remember where it was. And there were two there. Two right. young girls, two young girls work um, um, doing it, so right. they are starting to creep in. Um, I, I pity them because it's a thankless, <laughs> it's a thankless place to be. Mm. But maybe, maybe a few more in there will will um, shake yeah. things up. And you know, I want to see some of the some of the women that want to start later doing it. Okay. Uh, and a lot of people um, malign the short courses, but I don't know what your options are. If you're late coming into the industry, male or female, doesn't make any difference. Mm. How are you going to get into the industry and learn if you haven't got short course option? Because you're not going to get an apprenticeship. Right. Okay. But I've heard of some of the girls, you know, they've done it and they understand and they've come out and they know this is the beginning of their road and they've got to do more. It's the same with the folks. Mm. If you go and do it, and you're prepared to be mentored and, and carry on beating the drum and, and, and learn what you need to learn, um, then I, I don't see there's a lot of option if you want to come yeah. in. Late. I started when I was well, it started when I was 17, but if you, I don't know, much much above 22, 23, I don't know how you get on an apprenticeship uh, in, in the normal route. Um, yeah. Anyway, we digress. Um, why don't installers regularly use a lockout kit? Mm-hmm. I don't know whether this was thrown in as a bit of a joke. Thirty-one <laughs> percent. I work alone. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Well, um, I used to do quite a lot of ECRs, EICRs, um, working in houses, empty houses. And how easy it is it after a long shift, busy racing to get home, to be flicking circuits back on as you're trying to get other stuff working and flick the wrong one on. Yeah. Um, I suppose the argument is you could do it if it was locked off, but you would have to unlock it and you'd have to think more about what you were doing to do that. Yeah. Um, 16%, I talk to other trades on site and let them know what I'm doing. Good. Communication is great, but um, how many sites have I worked on where the, the painters want the lights back on? Yeah, and so they, they just turn it on. Yeah, yeah. Um, 10%. I'm not provided with one by my employer. Well, that's just criminal. Yeah. It is criminal. You should yeah. be provided. Um, and that was the case for um, my brother's <coughs> employer's um, case. They didn't provide uh, They didn't provide lock-off kits to their mm. guys. There was the use of the insulating tape or the isolating tape um, yeah. on-site. That's how lock-off was done there was there was um an attempt made an argument that because the office door was locked 
where the distribution boards were Control that that yeah. was uh, safe isolation and yeah the I was just laughed at by the HSE so yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, 10% it's too much hassle I'll get that I suppose um, you've lugged all your stuff out you haven't got it in your bag um, stick a bit of tape on it tape falls off painter walks in turns you back on halfway through a job um it's a good way of good way of ruining your day and, and potentially a load of other people's as well. Yeah. Um I, I did work for a company a little while ago and they managed to electrocute uh, an apprentice and um I think it took him twelve months to lose his arm. Oh, um got carbonisation up the up the blood vessels. Oh. And you know, it's that was a five amp circuit. It's horrendous. Absolutely horrendous. Uh, and this is it like this this whole it's too much hassle it should just be part of your job <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I don't know 10% I'm only going to be a minute or two with the power isolated but the power wasn't isolated you'd only turned it off yeah um, 9% they're too expensive um, if it's your company's responsibility to buy them then it's not expensive for you at all no um and if you're working for yourself again it should be a key part of the cost that you've factored into running your yeah. business here you look on ebay 25 35 quid you can get an yeah. ideal or a q-tech starter yeah. pack you build it up over the time goes on um i don't need to use it as i have an alternative way of, of making of working on hang on I don't need it as I use an alternative way of marking the cables I'm working on. 9%. Don't even know that. Not know what they're talking about. Mm -hmm. An alternative way of marking the cables. Don't understand that one. Do you know, do you know how these, these questions, were they open questions? I'm not sure if I'm because, being honest. Because some of these, some of these answers are a, a bit too random to be, Yeah. to have 9% of, well, sort of, Probably about eighty people say that they had an alternative way of marking cables. I don't, I don't understand how that's. Um, I think out to the generated. side, there's a kind of alternative to lockout kit. Um, right. By yeah. installers, so maybe that. We'll hit that in a minute. That further. Four percent can't find them in my local wholesaler. Um, every possibility you can't, but yeah. bit of planning. Bit of planning goes a long way, and um, it, it should be it should be there before you before you get to that point. Mm -hmm. As you say, alternatives to lockout kit used by installers. Forty four percent signage. Well, that's part of the isolation. Lockout, tag out, tag out, yeah. caution sign, mark it up. Um, on very few occasions, you'll come across a device that you can't put an isolation on with a lock very few then you need to plan how you're going to create a safe work zone around that mm -hmm. not easy um, i have come across it um two percent do nothing so they don't have an alternative to a lockout kit um two percent disconnect the cables from the distribution board 19 percent use the isolation tape Hurrah. comes back again 2% use verbal warning and 
lock the switch room or electrical cupboard. Yeah. Maybe yeah, that's both. Michael's job. Which, no, which failed in Michael's case, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, um, the, the, the problem is with, with a lot of um, risers and cupboards, they have multiple keys. Um, people all over the place will have access to that and you won't even know who they are. No. So... And the, the fact was, in Michael's case, it was kind of a last-minute, all-hands-on-deck job. job to get a, a sports store ready for opening or ready for handover, at least, to the client by the next day. So those the, the room wasn't locked because everybody needed access to it. Yeah, so, in and out. Yeah. In and out. Yeah. And um, the last one I've got here, one in five installers don't carry a lockout kit in their van or tool bag. Um, we do we do see see some people on social media. There's quite a lot of these tool bag reviews recently. Okay. Uh, and, and I get the guys that are doing first fix work, and they don't need that in their kit. Mm. But they kind of don't make that statement when they're on the videos on uh, YouTube. Yeah. And this, is, and, and this is if this is your first fix kit and you're putting that out as a general instruction to the world mm-hmm. then my disclaimer would be i don't use this kit on a live installation where i've got to make dead right okay. or this is my tool bag my lock-off kits in the van we'll do another video on that and i know i've heard there are a couple of um, uh, of fairly big YouTubers that do keep that as a separate item, but I'd like to know it's a separate item. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Picked up in the comments. Okay. You know, these, these, these guys, they've got a big, they've got a high turnover of, of followers. Some of them may well not read the comments and know it's yeah, there, yeah, yeah. and you can't control who's looking at that. Um, but they've got to use their common sense in how they, in how they portray this. And, and how they want to how they want to address that um so we've kind of dusted the isolation survey down a little bit yeah not everybody does it um maybe 75 to 80 percent of people do they apply it appropriately correctly all the time we may see a few more maybe quite a lot more that do it ad hoc when they need to. We mm-hmm. may see a few that are using common sense and they are following their risks and method statements and applying the correct process at the correct time. And then we've got these guys here um, who, for one reason or another, training, aptitude, attitude, or management are not doing what yeah. they need to do to go home safe. Yeah, there's a peer pressure. There's a complacency. Yeah, there's the we've always done it this way around here, pal. Like mm-hmm. we're not doing it that way. Don't care what you were taught at college. We've always done it this way around here. Yeah, yeah. There's all of that going on. And uh, how many people are dying over a, thir- a five-year period? According to the HSE, about thirty. That's yeah. Thirty people in a five-year period. And um, I think that goes up when you look at the SQCR figures as well, because mm-hmm. there's about 12 people a year if you combine the two together, Okay. which is more DNO 
and it's more around um, people hitting mains, not not checking um, uh, before they dig, drilling through things. But there are um, there are also other elements, of course, the mechanical. You said earlier on the mechanical fatalities, yeah, the entrapments absolutely. that are also bound up around um, isolations. And I know myself and um, Paul Skirm are going to try and get together and do a, a head-to-head electrical versus mechanical on the potential risks of um, stored energy, hydraulic mm-hmm. gravity um, that can catch an electrician out when he's working on machinery. Yeah, yeah, no, that'd uh, be great. Between the two sets, there's quite a lot, but I think I think we kind of need to um, leave the isolation bit behind and and hear uh, Michael's story to drive home a little bit harder why people need to think long and hard about how they isolate things if you can. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. Okay. So. Uh, Michael was, I think I said earlier, he was only 26. Uh, He was engaged. He was actually, the morning that he left for work, that afternoon they were getting a puppy. Him and his fiancée were getting a wee puppy. Um, Setting up home together, looking forward to their life together. And he had travelled into Edinburgh for a job. He then got called up to Dundee for this all-hands-on-deck job to get a JJB sports store and gym complex ready um, for a handover to their client. So, as I said, that's by the next again morning or else their penalty clauses were going to kick in. So he goes up to that job. They do bits of work. They're then sort of time for their evening tea break because it's likely that they're going to have to work through the night. So they have their evening tea break, they have their game of cards in the cabin, they have their chippy and uh, head back to work. And he only went back to work for another 40 minutes before he suffered a fatal electric shock. So that came about because he, him and his colleague were set to work to install a security system and they were needing to connect a cable that was already in place within the ceiling void to one that they'd pulled in themselves. So Michael cut that cable, he threw it down to his colleague and it had insulating tape wrapped around it and written on that insulating tape were the words not in use. And as Jim, his colleague, as he stood up with this cable, with this tape around it, he kind of looked up and he saw the false ceiling just rise an inch or so, inch or two, and Jim shouting up, Mikey, you're leaning on that wire. The wire that was holding the suspended ceiling up. And Jim watches as that ceiling then rises even further. And then the whole ceiling collapsed and Michael landed at Jim's feet. Uh, because, yeah, Michael was being electrocuted when that ceiling rose. So he suffered a fatal electric shock. He suffered a heart attack. Um, no defib on site CPR was performed uh, when the paramedics arrived they did get a faint heartbeat back but he was pronounced dead when he got to hospital so yeah so 
that all it's kind of three and a half years that well just over three years then until we kind of get answers or part answers to how that came about because that's how long it took to get it to court so we find out at court that yeah the lock-off kits that were referred to in the rams they weren't provided by the employer the voltage testers that were referred to in the rams they weren't provided by the employer we hear from the supervisor that he didn't regard it as part of his job to ensure that safe working practices were adhered to all times when I and others feel it was a fundamentally important part of his role. Um, so yeah, all these things accumulate and my wee brother's dead. Um, and, and even now, I mean, we're never ever going to get full answers as to why he's dead. Because we don't know what he did. We don't know what tests he carried out. Only Michael knows what tests he carried out. So he may have tested when the circuit breaker was off, but because it's not safely isolated, someone's turned it on while he's working on it. Or I said earlier, he only had a multimeter. So yeah, he could have had that set to the wrong selection and he gets the false zero reading. But there was also a possibility that he used the, sh- the cheeky wee shortcut um, the cut through all of the bits of the cable at the same time and if it goes bang then we know it's live <gasps> but it didn't go bang because um, he, he stripped the insulating material from the cable and he's had his thumb on the metal part of his snips when he's been doing that and he's leaning on a suspended ceiling wire and he's standing on steps that are metal steps so yeah the shock either goes from one of his hands to the other one or from his hands to his feet and his legs and that's how the heart attack happened um Mm. so yeah so that's that's how it all came about and it's a series of failures uh fundamental failures in implementing safe systems of work that were there on paper, mm. but they weren't being put into practice. It was a tick box exercise, health and safety on this site. Um, so yeah, so we're left, his employer was found guilty. Uh, they were fined £300,000. But, you know, what? what's that? Like... Doesn't replace it, what you've lost, does it? No, it's not. It's not any sort of justice for what happened. Um, it's it's um it's it's an emotional thing, and um, and unfortunately, I live it every time with you. As I say, we've 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 done a few bits and pieces together, and um, it, it's it's heartbreaking. It really is, and um, I don't. You can't go back and help anybody, and, and I dearly would if I could. But um, this is this is this is my way of trying to trying to assist and and try yeah. and form and help. And it's and brilliant that that people. you guys are kind of are driving this um, mm. because there's been a fundamental failure on the part of the likes of Select and NIC EIC. 
and mm. others um, that fall into that band, I feel, to to take this and deal with this. Um, mm. I would so like to see proactive, unannounced inspections by these bodies of their mm. members to see if their members are following the correct safe systems of work. Mm. But there is no appetite to do that. Of course there's no appetite to do that. You do it, you lose members. No, no. And and the other problem that I've got is if you are unfortunate, and you would have to be really unfortunate to get kicked out of one of these um, voluntary schemes, um, that uh, you just can move to the next one. Yeah, and and I don't want to talk about blacklisting, but there's no way of scoring your behaviour. If you were a habitual um, car crasher, and you kept on writing cars off, you would you would be put off the road eventually because your insurance would just cost so much that you wouldn't be able to be insured. Yeah. But it, it just seems it, it, that there's no way of, of of registering a black mark against your name to say that you weren't competent and yeah. and i get that i get the bit about um mentoring and training and um you're you're better off to have them in the fold and working with people to inspect and better your standard of workmanship but i don't see it happening no neither do i neither do i um and yeah, despite attempts to sort of engage with, in particular, select, uh, I don't see the appetite there to do mm. it. So the likes of you guys doing what you do, um, trade union health and safety reps doing what they do, hazard campaigners, mm. it's down to all of us, I think, to yeah, buck the trends and and improve the standards to where they need to be. Try and get some of the uh, the guys to to lift their levels up a bit and and be better tomorrow than they were today. Yeah. And and just ask the questions and push back a little bit and go home. Absolutely. Go home safe. Yeah. Yeah. I speak to I speak to a few. I don't speak to many. I I I won't say I have the um the catchment group that some of these guys have. But I'll always support any of my contacts that ask, and uh, that's all we can do, really. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Anyway, thank you for, for that, Louise. I've ruined your evening. You have, thanks, Richard. You'll have to go and have a strong, a strong, strong sherry now before um, bed. We Jack Daniels or something, yeah. Jack Daniels and Coke. Oh, don't start me. I'm on dry for dry January. Oh, are you okay? Oh heavens. That's a terrible thing. <laughs> anyway, thank you very much for your time, Louise. You're and welcome. Hopefully we'll meet up again soon. Yeah, that'd be great. Thank you. Thank you.